This is The Guardian. Hey, Jane Lee here, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story. How old is too old to be the President of the United States? That's the question many are asking in the lead-up to this year's election, with the gaffes of 81-year-old Joe Biden and 77-year-old Donald Trump shaping up to be one of the major issues of the campaign. In this episode from our global news podcast, Today in Focus, host Michael Safi discusses the risks that Biden's age poses to his own re-election. About eight and a half months out from the US presidential election, Joe Biden and his team might be feeling like time is on their side. The US economy is improving. And over the next few months, lots of Americans might come to realize it. That marks three consecutive years of economic growth in Biden's three years in office. And along with more jobs come consistently higher wages. There's no way to paint this as anything but good. The many cases against Donald Trump, trying to steal elections, financial fraud, paying off adult film stars and so on, will tie him up in court and keep his alleged crimes in the headlines. A D.C. appeals court has rejected former President Trump's claim of immunity from federal prosecution. There are still months for Biden to find a way to sort out the flow of migrants across the southern border. By November, the war in Gaza might even be over. But there's one thing for Joe Biden that time will not improve. In fact, it's kind of the grim reality of life that time's only going to make it worse. And now that issue has burst onto the centre stage of the presidential race. He's older than I am and I wouldn't run. He's feeble and he's incapable of completing a sentence or a rational thought. His cognitive skills seems like it's uh, not there, not 100%. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, Joe Biden's age problem. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. David Smith, you're The Guardian's Washington correspondent. Let's start here. How old is Joe Biden? Joe Biden is 81 years old. So he was born during the Second World War. He is the oldest president in American history. Okay, so 
81, that's an age when a person gathers a lot of life experience and, and wisdom and maybe the courage to do and say things they wouldn't have done as a younger person, maybe? Yes, potentially all of those. I think in political terms, Joe Biden's pitch is that he has unrivaled experience. The current crisis in the Middle East, he will sometimes reference former Israeli prime ministers going back a long time. And he's dealt with Vladimir Putin in Russia when he was vice president. He's got a lot of experience as a senator for 36 years. So I think his main argument for his age is the wisdom and experience that come with that. In 2020, how did Joe Biden frame his age? Joe Biden did not talk a great deal about his age in 2020. It was probably helpful to him that one of his main rivals for the Democratic presidential nomination was Senator Bernie Sanders, who is even older. And he was also against Donald Trump, who's not that much younger in the presidential election. You know, some of the candidates he was up against the Democratic primary, like uh, Pete uh, Buttigieg, who looks very young and is very young, I think at that point in his late 30s, early 40s, were just said to be too green for this. And in the era of Donald Trump and the coronavirus pandemic, you really needed a steady hand on the tiller and Biden was going to be that man. And yet now, four years later, we find that his age has become quite a big issue. Why is that? What have we seen over the past four years? Yeah, Joe Biden's age has certainly become his biggest political liability. When you look back even five or 10 years, he seems quite active and fiery and lucid. We're on a mission to move this nation forward from doubt and downturn to promise and prosperity. And now he speaks more slowly and softly. We Americans think anything is possible. We would do it together. And we have seen during his presidency some stumbles, literal and metaphorical. He fell down on stage at one point over a sandbag that was in the wrong place. He fell on the stairs going up to Air Force One. Some scary moments today for President Biden as he stumbled three times and fell while climbing the stairs to board Air Force One. And verbally as well, there has been a series of gaffes of mixing up the names of world leaders, even just in the past week. He referenced Francois Mitterrand and Helmut Kohl of France and Germany, both of whom were dead. And he was talking about meeting them in recent years. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, what, why, how, how long are you back for? Republicans love to put out video clips of him slurring or speaking slowly or getting names wrong. None of it inspires great confidence. And of course, the kind of mistake you or I might make and nobody would notice in his case now, when he misspeaks, it feeds an existing narrative that he's too old and as Republicans would argue without evidence that he's actually senile. And David, when we look at polling, what does it tell us about what voters think of this issue? There was an opinion poll very recently that showed more than 80% of voters think he's too old. Other polls have it around 70%. And this is not just Republicans and independents, even a majority of Democrats often express concerns about his age or worry that he's too old to be president, mindful that if he wins a second term, he will be 86 by the end of that, which again is way older than any previous US president.
So David, this issue was bubbling under the surface for a while, and then last week it broke out into the open in pretty dramatic fashion with a surprise press conference. You were there. Yeah, it was unusual. There was that sort of hush of expectation, speculation. We were saying, well, is he going to announce some military strike, a terrorist leader has been killed, you know, at the back of your mind, given his age, there's always that sliver of possibility. Is he going to do what Lyndon Johnson did half a century ago and say, I'm actually not seeking re-election, which would obviously be a political sensation. It was none of that. It was Joe Biden walking to the lectern, clutching a folder and responding to a report by a Justice Department special counsel and acknowledging, first of all, the good news for Joe Biden, that he would not face criminal charges for mishandling classified documents at his residence in Delaware. And, you know, it was a bit embarrassing. These secret files have been found in a broken cardboard box in Biden's garage, but there was not malicious intent, and certainly not enough to charge him criminally. But the bad news for Joe Biden is that this special counsel report was very damning in describing his memory related to his age. And what did the special counsel have to say about his age and memory? The special counsel, Robert Herr, notably a Republican, said that Biden had significant limitations on his memory. It was hazy at times. And Herr produced a very damning and memorable phrase that could stick with Biden, saying Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. So basically, Robert Herr was saying that his memory is so defective that no jury would find him responsible, which is not what you want from the commander-in-chief and the president of the United States. What does that say about his decision-making and responsibility for the Middle East and Ukraine and the economy and myriad domestic issues All the things that an American president does, it's been described as the impossible job, the toughest job in the world. And there you have a man portrayed in his reporters so old and doddery that he couldn't go before a court and be found responsible for anything. It's pretty staggering. And so it's those allegations that Biden calls this press conference to rebut, to put to bed. Is he able to do that? At first, I thought he did a pretty good job. He sparred with reporters. Notably, Peter Ducey, who works for Fox News. And this time, the president gave as good as he got and basically made a joke about, you know, if his memory was that bad, why would he keep calling on Peter Ducey to ask questions? I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out. is your memory? And can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. <laughs> That's what was also bad. notable is Robert Herr gave a few examples of Biden's memory lapses. One was that Joe Biden could not remember when his own son, Beau, died, which was extraordinary, especially because Biden frequently references the death of his son in speeches. You could see the controlled anger and emotion as he addressed this point and how outraged he was that the special counsel would pick on that to try and strengthen his argument There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? He talked about, obviously, how the report exonerated him and how different this was from Donald Trump's own classified documents case, where, of course, he does face criminal charges. And then it seemed he was done and he started walking away. But, of course, there's another 
furious chorus of voices shouting questions, and just one caught his attention about the Middle East. And so, fatefully, he turned on his heel and walked back to the lectern, and he started talking about the latest situation. And I think his defenders would say it was a fairly cogent, uh, detailed answer, actually. But fatally, he made another verbal slip. He confused the presidents of Egypt and Mexico. As you know, initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. In that moment, the entire object of the press conference somewhat backfired. And once again, there were headlines about Joe Biden mixing up names, doesn't know what he's doing. So rather than put these concerns to bed, this press conference had the effect of only deepening them. That's right. The next morning, there was very little attention really on the fact that the special counsel's report had cleared him of criminal charges and a huge amount of attention both on its contents and his verbal slip. David, it's not really his age that's the issue here. It's, I guess, the perception that he's mentally not as sharp as he needs to be for this extremely demanding job. Do you think this criticism of Biden is fair? When you talk to people at the White House, do they say, yes, he is declining? He's not quite up to this job anymore? No, they say Biden is still sharp and tuned in and on top of his game and the great grasp of policy. And that fits really what they've been saying since he was elected. On and off the record, you will hear officials say, when we go abroad on an overseas trip, Biden is often working harder than anyone else, staying up later than anyone else. They really tried to fight back against this report by special counsel Robert Hurd. They felt it was gratuitous of him to concentrate so much on this memory issue. And really, outside his lane, they would argue a special counsel is not meant to speculate and talk about someone who is not charged. They felt it was really straying into partisan politics in an unnecessary way. So the comments in this report by a Republican special counsel were seen to be crossing the line. Nonetheless, there is a danger that the perception is starting to crystallise that Joe Biden is just too old for this job. He doesn't have it in him anymore to do four more years in the White House. What can the Biden campaign do about it? And how is it likely to play into the way that they campaign over the next eight or nine months? There are some who argue that they really need to go on the offensive now and prove the critics wrong, have Joe Biden do lots of TV and newspaper interviews, have him out and about around the country, showing off that he is still sharp and lucid and ready for this. And that would signify a change because he has done fewer press conferences than his predecessors, Barack Obama and Donald Trump. He's done fewer one-on-one interviews, especially with newspapers. There is a perception that the White House doesn't trust him to go out there. They're trying to shield him from these gaffes. And of course, that is the other side of the argument, that if you do send him out there, perhaps he will make more gaffes. So it's a calculated risk. Okay, so that is the dilemma they're in. They need to send Biden out into the world to show people how vigorous and sprightly he is. But every time they do, some voters come away just thinking... This guy looks older. He doesn't look as sharp as he was. It's really difficult. It certainly is. Over the years, I've spent a lot of time at Donald Trump speeches and a lot of time at Joe Biden speeches. And with Trump, 
Although many of his outrageous statements and gaffes are broadcast, it also works to his advantage in that there's long passages of gobbledygook and rambling nonsense from Trump that no one ever hears apart from people at his rally, and they seem to love it. In some ways, TV editors actually clean things up a bit for Trump, whereas usually there's less excitement about a Biden speech, cogent, sensible things he says about the economy or social security or health insurance are probably not going to make the evening news. Whereas that one moment where he reminisces fondly about his meeting with a a dead world leader is uh, going to go viral. You've also made the point that the man he's going to square off against in the presidential election later this year is Donald Trump, someone who, for starters, is age 77, but who often makes mistakes, who often seems deranged when he's on the stump. So Why has this criticism stuck to Biden, but Trump's able to just shrug it off? There does appear to be a double standard, just even on the issue of mixing up names. Just the other week, Donald Trump three times talked about Nikki Haley, his opponent in the Republican primary, when actually he meant Nancy Pelosi, the former Democratic Speaker of the House. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything deleted and destroyed all of it. And that did get some coverage. But in general, Trump seems to get a free ride for a lot of his gaffes and misspeaks. And, you know, as Trump has done talking about getting into World War Two when he meant World War Three, or talking about President Obama as if he's still in office when he means President Biden, these are almost small beer compared to Donald Trump facing 91 criminal charges, being found by jury that he committed sexual assault. Compared to all that, who cares if he mixed up a name here or there? Coming up, is it too late for someone to replace Joe Biden on the ballot? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. I'm Grace Den, and friends, I am back with some more helpings of comfort eating from The Guardian. I'm welcoming a host of fabulous guests, from David Bedil to Katie Price, and from Amol Rajan to Kathy Burke, and they'll be revealing the tastes they turn to when in need of solace and cheer. Comfort Eating returns on the 13th of February, with new episodes released every Tuesday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. One thing I wonder, David, is it's pretty incredible that it's turned out this way, that we have a contest between the two oldest presidential candidates ever, both of them struggling with gaffes on the stump, with saying things that don't quite make sense. 
In a world that you know has entered the era of AI, contending with the challenge of climate change, with a renewed crisis in the Middle East, a time when we're crying out for kind of fresh ideas to old and new problems, and the choices we have in front of us are these two. How did it come to this? I think millions of American voters are asking the same question. The idea of a Biden versus Trump rematch is very unpopular, and yet here we are. Some of it is just circumstance. Biden is the incumbent, which makes him very hard to displace, even though there are some Democrats who argue, look, he's too old. We shouldn't just go through the motions here. And some wish that he had perhaps stepped down after the midterm elections, for example. But he's there and seen as the best, safest way to beat Donald Trump, having done it already. And then um, on the other side, obviously, we could do an entire episode chronicling Donald Trump's takeover of the Republican Party, why still he has it in this vice-like grip. Some in the party have tried to remove him this time, but he remains hugely popular with the base, I think, for all sorts of socio-economic, cultural, racially charged reasons. Democrats see Biden as the only way to beat Trump, and Republicans see Trump as the only way to beat Biden. And nobody dares break that and move on to a new generation. And to be clear, the primaries on both sides have already started. If the Democrats wanted to shift Biden aside, convince him to step aside, could they do that? Is that still possible? It's getting less and less possible every day. Joe Biden, again, just when you're writing him off, just when he seems too old, actually did very well in the New Hampshire primary where his name was not even on the ballot. And then he won the South Carolina primary with about 96% of the vote. So there's clearly still many in the party who back him. I think now the only way really to stop Biden being the nominee is for a bunch of senior people in the party to turn up at the White House, sit down with him and say, Mr. President, we have grave concerns. We think for the good of the nation, you should step aside. I still think that's very unlikely, perhaps even more unlikely because there is not a glaringly obvious successor. Kamala Harris is the vice president of the United States. Approval ratings for her are even lower than Biden. And so you certainly hear some Republican messaging saying, look, if you vote for Joe Biden at his age, you will probably end up with a President Harris. And so when you talk to Democrats, when they outline this dilemma they have in front of them, what's the way out? How do they deal with this narrative that Biden is just too old to run the country? I think a couple of things. They would advise maybe Biden to get out and talk and perhaps deploy humor. And he's done that in recent years. You know, he will joke about knowing the founding fathers of America. He'll call himself 200 years old. After all, I believe in the First Amendment, not just because my good friend Jimmy Madison wrote it. (laughs) Basically, take a page from the Ronald Reagan playbook. You know, there was a famous 1984 presidential debate. At that point, Reagan was 73. He said, uh, I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. And uh, Reagan went on to win the election easily. 
But I think even more important than the use of humor is who is Biden running against? If they were up against Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina and US ambassador to the UN, I think they'd be in big trouble. I mean, just that visual, that dynamic of Biden on a debate stage with a woman in her 50s, he would look very old. But he's, um, you know, the ace of his sleeve here is he is up against Donald Trump. And so you are seeing already a lot of democratic messaging, which is trying to make this election not a referendum on Joe Biden, which he would quite possibly lose, but more of a referendum on Trump's own presidency. A lot of the democratic strategy is, yes, we'll shout about Joe Biden a bit, but we'll shout even louder about all the reasons why Trump would be a a nightmare for America. Sounds like the next few months, this campaign is not going to be especially inspiring on, on either side. No, sadly, perhaps the one thing everyone can agree on in this very polarized, uh, fragmented country now is that it's going to be, yet again, perhaps the nastiest, ugliest election ever. Very uninspiring for humanity. And again, I think a lot of people out there are probably saying, where is the John F. Kennedy or Ronald Reagan vision of optimism and something to lift us up? Instead, it's Donald Trump's darkness talking about immigrants poisoning the blood of the country, a country going to hell, as he describes it. And then on the other side, you have Joe Biden saying Donald Trump is a fundamental threat to democracy. Vote for him and it's the end of the republic. So yeah, put it like that. It's not very cheering. And David, you're going to be there to tell us all about it. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was David Smith, The Guardian's Washington correspondent, whose coverage of American politics and the unfolding race between Biden and Trump can be found at theguardian.com. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Ned Carter-Miles and Matt Murphy. Sound design was by Solomon King. The executive producer was Homer Khalili. 